I would say most of my customers who come into the shop have already been researching on our website and they already kind of know what they want. We are going inside Gift and Home and I am your guide, Dawn Groters. This is where we will dig into sales, products, and business relationships for retailers, wholesale brands, and sales reps in the gift and home industry. With 20 plus years of experience as a buyer, sales rep, and now business owner, I am thrilled to be your guide providing tips, techniques, ideas, skills, and motivation on your journey to building a thriving business. So let's get started. So I want to introduce you to my friend, Monica Freeborn. She is an owner and designer of Amethyst Home, and she has two locations in Kansas City and Omaha, as well as an online business. She's a working mom, a wife, just an amazing person. And I'm so excited that she's joined me on the Inside Gift and Home podcast. Monica, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with your business. So you kind of touched on it. I have two brick and mortar locations and an online component to Amethyst. I opened up this shop in 2017 and about a thousand square feet in Omaha, Nebraska. And then uh, we just opened up our Kansas City location, kind of reopened it um, a couple months ago. Awesome. Okay. So, so many women in the gift and home industry are just like us. They're moms, they're wives, and they're going after their dream of owning a business and trying to do it all um, and doing the best that we can. So how do you manage it all? So I don't feel like I do it super well, <laughs> but I try to give myself some grace there. I think that, you know, it really ebbs and flows. Like there are times where being a business owner allows me to have even more freedom with my kids mm -hmm. and a lot of flexibility. And then there are times when the business needs more from me and I rely on my community. I rely on my husband and my my parents and his parents to kind of like help with the kids. And, and so I think that it's very normal for it to ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. One thing I love to do especially having two locations is I try to be super intentional about taking my kids one-on-one -on -one with me. Sometimes if I'm traveling to the other shop or if I'm traveling to market or to an out-of-state project is maybe this trip, I bring my son and him and I get some one-on-one -on -one time or another time I'll bring my daughter and her and I get some one-on-one -on -one time. So I try to like use the required travel to my advantage and just, and just get some more, more time with my kids. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm sure they love seeing you as a mom going out and going after your dreams. That's a great example to set for them. But then also like they get to learn a little bit more of the business side and what you do as well. Yes. Yeah, it's been cool. And I mean, they don't have a super traditional childhood. That's something that I've beat myself up over is like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, they don't have enough play dates or like, I can't have them in three teams right now. I can only handle maybe one activity per kid per season. And so um, that's something I've wrestled with. And like, when I was a kid, my mom had a home cooked meal Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, we'd go out to eat. And my kids are growing up with DoorDash Monday through Friday. <laughs> and then we try to be intentional and cook together on the weekend. So it's like, just because it looks different doesn't mean it's wrong. And so I try to, I try to just be like, you know, they're going to have an alternative childhood and I'm sure it's going to make them very interesting people someday. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. They're learning to make it work how they need to make it work. And we do the same thing, one sport per child, just because we can't do it all. And we can't have them doing it all right now as well with our businesses and careers and things like that. So we're in the same boat. Okay. So you not only have two retail locations, but you have a thriving online business that feeds into your retail business. So can you share with us how your website feeds your retail and then your retail feeds into your website sales as well? Yes. So the website component was something I was intentional about from the beginning, but I didn't realize at the time how impactful it could be. So when I opened my store, I immediately started putting all my products online just because I wanted my customers to see what I was going to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> bring in traffic. And now it's really funny because my website customers have maybe been into the shop or they've been on our social media or, you know, by the off chance, maybe they've found us on Google, but that's really not the majority. And I'll have people walk into the store and then they'll go home and place an order for something they saw hours later. And so that's really freed up me and my team from doing some of this, this constant follow-up. And then likewise, a lot of people will discover my, my store online and they'll have no idea we were in the Midwest. And so they'll find out we're nearby, they'll travel to come see us. And um, I think that they work together. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's always this pressure to like sell online and stay up with the trends. But I really, I think really having an omni-channel approach where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to show people, I'm going to show my loyal customers what I have at a time that's convenient for them. And then maybe they'll pick up the phone and call and order it. But I would say most of my customers who come into the shop have already been researching on our website and they already kind of know what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. And you're meeting that customer where they're at and how they want to order. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, your business is so great about that, that you can order online or you can go into the shop and both of them just feed into one another. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it it works out well. And I think that, you know, it also, (laughs) in a weird way, it relieves the pressure off of the retail side because, you know, for my team, like we want customers to come in and visit us, but if we only get three customers in that day, who cares? Because we had hundreds of people online. And so it just takes a little bit of pressure off and it just makes it fun. And it's a great way to send customers home with homework. In the store, they like a rug. We'll send them links to maybe three to four rugs on our website. And then they can continue researching and continue doing homework. So it's just it's just a great way to easily provide information. Yeah, you are um, so great at that. I love that part of what you do in your business. Okay, one of the other things that I really love about your business, and I, I watch you on social media a lot, you and your associates, you're very active on it. And the way you describe textures and colors of your products that you sell online or through social media, um, it makes you feel like you're standing right in the showroom with you. So how did you get so good at that and using social media in that way for your business. Yeah, so this is a little a little funny to talk about, but when I first opened my store, I was on a shoestring budget and my husband and I took out like a home equity line of credit on our house because a bank wouldn't give me a loan. And so I didn't have a lot of inventory. And so I would have customers walk in and I would have to sell things I didn't have. So I started showing customers pictures and videos on my phone 
and they loved it. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a sales tactic, but it was just really, I was trying to show them confidence that like, I know what I'm talking about. Like, this would be a great piece for you because ABC and they just loved it. And then I thought, well, why am I pulling up my phone every single time? I should just start posting it for everyone. And so I started posting on social media. Eventually we started adding all of those videos to the website so that um, if somebody's asking, everyone can see it at once. And it's just funny, but I think that it makes people feel really comfortable ordering off of a stock photo. It makes me feel comfortable because I feel like I know what I'm talking about. And it's just been a funny, it's been a funny thing, but that's really my, my marketing style. A lot of the products we curate, it's because I love the details. And so you just can't get the details off of a stock photo. Yeah. So I always say like, I see color and iPhone color. So to me, if I see an iPhone photo, I'm like, oh, I know what color it is, you know, but it's like, it's like, like I just see an iPhone. So, um, so that's just been a way that we, we've, you know, connected and tried to provide extra value beyond some of these big box stores. Yes. Yes. And it is, the, it's so valuable. Like the things that I see on social media, like the rugs and the pillows and how you describe the texture, you really feel like you are touching it and seeing what it feels like. And so you, as a consumer, you have more confidence in buying it as well. Yeah. And I think in 2023, I mean, our foot traffic hasn't been what it used to be. And I think that anytime somebody makes a decision to come to your store, that's a huge privilege because- they have a lot of options on how to spend their day. And I just think people aren't going as many places in one day as they used to. So, I mean, if we can provide that value online, I think that that's like a great way to stay connected and just continue serving people, even when they maybe don't have the time to drive to your physical location. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You are serving your customers really well. Okay, so you have built a team of people around you to support you in your business because you can't be in two locations at one time and do all the things without your team. So would you share what key roles are most important for you in your business? Yeah, so I feel like about two years ago, my business started to get really complicated because as we're talking about omni-channel, <laughs> I always had people working in my stores, but a lot of my sales were coming from online or from out of state. And so then the people in my stores didn't really know what was going on with online. And then they would call the store. And then my team's like, who are you? What? So I I actually built my team in the last year. I have a couple of core functions. I have my right-hand person mm-hmm. on my team. who has been with me for three years. And she is business development and sales. And so she's responsible for brick and mortar design and online. Then I have a logistics team and my logistics team, they are responsible for every single order who comes to my store, whether they walk in, whether they call, whether they're online, et cetera. And then I have a customer service team, same thing. They're responsible for all orders. And so really as we've grown, it's been important that the same person handles every customer and not to break it up by location or sales channel. So that's what we do. And then Um, we have a couple of part-time people who work in the shops and they help people all across the country throughout their day. So if they're not busy in brick and mortar, they are doing mock-ups for someone who lives in California or they're on the phone with someone in Utah. So I I try to have everyone on my team be involved in all parts of the business, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it would create the ability for you to step away a little bit when you go to markets and things like that, to know that everybody is taking care of your customers in 
and you don't have to worry about it. Yes, exactly. It's been a huge, it's been a huge relief for me. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, it, it gives me the freedom to feel like I can travel and I can network and I can go like push the needle in, in the strategic side of the business without worrying about like, who's going to cover, you know, what's going to happen if I'm gone. So. Yeah, that's great. So Monica, some might be shocked to learn that you have used some inside sales techniques in your business. Can you tell me if you're still using them and how does it work for you? Yes. So, and I actually learned this from you, Dawn. So <laughs> you gave a great, a great talk on inside sales. And I kind of thought naively, this doesn't really apply to me because I'm not talking to vendors and, and so I'm not doing wholesale. I'm, I'm doing direct to consumer. And it was so funny. And you said, you know, just pick up the phone. And that was something that was so simple yet revolutionary to me. And uh, especially when sales started to get a little harder to come by last summer, my team started picking up the phone. And if we noticed we had an abandoned cart or if someone had submitted a question on our website, even if they emailed us, we would pick up the phone and call them. And it was fascinating because A, maybe we would get a sale out of it. B, maybe we would get some insight that we had no idea. I learned a lot about typos or, or issues on our website that I need to fix just from talking to someone on the phone and them saying, where's the dimensions? I'm like, oh crap, you can't see that, can you? So, I mean, it's been really valuable insight whether or not it translated to a sale. Um, it's been a great way to get to know customers and see where they're at and, and see where we can improve. So we um, that's a standard practice for us now. So everyone on my team, Every day we, we see who's called us, we see who's emailed us, and our first inclination is to pick up the phone. Another inside sales technique we've been using is just embracing more casual forms of messaging. Oh. So we will just text, text clients and not in a customer service way, but just in a friendly, casual way. Um, we have a live chat on our website and we just be ourselves. So we, we use words that we use with our friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say, if I see a picture of someone's home, I'll say, oh, that's, that's killer. Or I try to talk how I actually talk. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's been really impactful for us as well. And kind of humanize the experience. Cause a lot of times I think when people find companies, they assume they're going to talk to somebody who's been very trained in customer service. Mm -hmm. And I think just being authentic, um, has really improved like our inside sales technique. So. Yeah. That, and I, I love that. I love that you are being yourself. That's why your customers are coming to you is because of who you are and your style and things like that. And so in every aspect and every part of your business, doing that helps you then to be that to the customer, exactly who you are. Yeah. And I don't think we really had an inside sales approach until about a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, I always kind of thought it was gross. <laughs> I just, you know, my preference would always be people would find me and I would never have to cold call. Or I wouldn't have to reach out to people. Or I, I mean, in my dream world, I would never even follow up with anyone. You know what I mean? They would yeah. just go by <laughs> and I would just say, thank you. You know? So, I mean, it's, it's really pushed me to be like, okay, inside sales isn't gross and you're actually helping, you're helping people and you have a great service and you have a great product and they want you to follow up. So, I mean, I've had to really change my mindset on that. And I've had to encourage my team to change their mindset. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, hey, they reached out to you. They came out into the, sh they came into the store. They told you they need a rug. 
and we're here to help them. So let's send them some more options. So just changing how we think about it, how we think about sales and how we think about cold calling. Like we don't, you know, we're calling people who have shown interest in us and we're, we're, we're trying we're wanting to help. We have a, we have good intentions. So. Yes. Yes. And I think that's, you know, a big difference. We're not, you know, if they've come to you and they're on your website and they have products in the cart, in their abandoned cart, then there's probably questions they need answered before they purchase. And so us adding value in some way to those customers helps them to make the decision whether they buy it or not. And so you and your team are there to add that value to them um, simply by picking up the phone and having a conversation, not just sending an email, but having a conversation with them. Right. And I mean, Target's never going to call you. You know, no. <laughs> so people love it. People actually love it and they appreciate it. And I mean, I, I can't think of anyone who's ever told us, don't call me again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Of a single person, they love it. Or they'll just be like, oh, you know, change my mind or already got something. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, it doesn't have to be the scary thing, you know? Yes. Yes. That is so great. I'm so glad that it's working in your business. What are some milestones in your business that have really helped you get to where you are today in your business? I feel like there's a couple different buckets for this. Hmm. So from like a connections bucket, I've had a couple of things happen that just made it all worth it, especially in times when I was like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? I mean, like I had at one point a client name her baby after someone on my team. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that is really cool. And then like, I've been to business conferences and someone's come up to me and said, oh, I follow you on social media. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And so like, there've been a couple of milestones that have encouraged me to keep going. Even when the math doesn't really seem like it works. I'm like, this math isn't working, but you know, somebody's life was improved because of some interaction they've had with us. So that that's one bucket that keeps me going. Mm -hmm. And then I've had, you know, I've had, you know, the sales buckets, like, you know, the first time we hit a million, I was like, wow, that's crazy. You know, and um, working with vendors and reaching different milestones with them and being able to celebrate that has been exciting. Uh, another bucket is like, you know, when I hired my first full-time employee, that was something that was really special to me. Yeah. Just like different things with my team. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's just like, there's a lot of different buckets and I think it's really easy to focus on the financial aspect of it, but I try to also choose moments that are just cool. Yeah, no, I think that is great. We need those because there are tough days, there's tough times, there's tough seasons, and we need the, to remember those milestones, no matter what bucket, which is a good phrase to put in there, but no matter what bucket they're in, we need those milestones to be like, we're not where we were two years ago. We're not even where we were six months ago. We These things have happened and we're, we're still on target, even though it's maybe a bad season and it's going to get better. It doesn't always stay bad. It's going to yeah. get better, but we need those yeah. things to kind of push us through. Yeah. And I even have a bucket of like things that felt really bad and scary at the time, but it was kind of a milestone. Like the first time I got a charge back, like I was like, what, you know, <laughs> or the first time I got a letter from the attorney general or like the first time I got, I mean, crazy stuff. The first time somebody said they hated my feet on the internet, like whatever, like <laughs> weirdest things. But like, I can look back at that bucket and be like, those things really sucked at the moment, but like, how cool we must be reaching a new level. Because if you've got, if you've got adversity coming, like 
you've got it. You're got to be doing something right. So, I mean, I try to even look at like some <laughs> really uncomfortable things as milestones. Yeah, that's great. I, I personally need to hear that too, when there's adversity to be like, well, it's okay. We can push through that. And this is something that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to love your business and you just move forward. Yes. Because there are customers out there that do need you and love your business and things like that. So, yes. So how would you encourage another retailer out there that is struggling where they don't know what to do next, or they're deciding whether or not to keep their doors open or throw in the towel? What would you say to encourage them? So I would say a couple of things. First, I think that God gives us talents and gifts and he knows, he knows our purpose and it's never supposed to be easy. Mm -hmm. So I think I try to stay encouraged by that. The second thing is I try to keep a strong sense of humor because I think, you know, there have been several, at least, at least three or four times in my business over the last six years where I thought, this is the end for me in two days. I thought, there's no way this is going to work out. There's no way. I, the math doesn't work. Like my circumstances don't look very hopeful. And and there was one, there was one time in my business that I really thought it was the end. I really did. And I, I laughed, I laugh and I laugh about this. And I try to keep, I try to keep my spirits up no matter what's going on because it was January, 2020. And for some reason I was just having an off month. I don't know if it was like my team or I don't know if it was me. It was probably me, but um, I would drop off my son at school and I would park at like 8 a.m. every day. And I would cry every single day. Oh. I would cry in my car. And I thought I'm, I'm about to blow this. Like I've invested all this time, all this money. I'm going to bring shame to my family. I mean, all these horrible things we tell ourselves. I'm like, I'm going to bring shame upon my family and and everything. And I cried and I cried and cried. And we had to take out a personal loan. I was so embarrassed by it. Oh, I was horrified Mm -hmm. because I was just horrified because I was like, I'm going to borrow this money. And I still don't know how it's going to work. I mean, I just, I was beside myself. And then a month later, the pandemic happened. And here we are three years later. So I just laugh about that. And I just laugh about that every day. Cause I think, you know what? That was a time in your life when you really thought it was the end and you really thought it was over and you didn't see a way out of it. And then things got worse. And somehow you're still here. <laughs> so I mean, I, you know, I think that you got to know yourself. I mean, only, I think only you and God know what your timing is and what your purpose is and what new chapters you have ahead of you. But I think that if you can just keep showing up somehow, in small ways, if you can just keep showing up every single day, I like to believe that every every person God sends into your life, any every person who walks through your door, every person you bump into at the grocery store is on a divine assignment to help you. Mm-hmm. And someone can help you. And maybe they won't buy a sofa that day, but maybe they know someone who will, or maybe they will say something to you that will spark something that will help you change the trajectory of what you're going through. And God can help in a lot of different ways. And it's not just financial. I think that like just keeping open mind and just not attaching your self-worth to your current situation and being a really good listener to like, what is around me? Who is around me? Why are they here? What am I supposed to learn from this? I think has kind of helped me going. I mean, I'm not perfect either. I mean, there are definitely days where I'm like, screw this. Honestly, screw it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. But I mean, I'm really proud of myself that even when, it looked like there was no hope. I kept going and I hope we can just normalize that. That's sometimes I think a very normal feeling as a business owner. 
Yeah. And I completely agree with you. Um, You have just been very encouraging to me in sharing some of your struggles as well, but just, and we have different businesses, but um, sharing struggles because as an entrepreneur, you're going through the same kinds of struggles. And whether you think somebody doesn't deal with that, they do. They just might not be very public about it, or they might not put it out there. But I think you are right on that you have to keep that perspective. Like you just keep going even during those difficult times. And look how far you've come from that January in 2020 to now. Like so hilarious. I mean, I thought it was the worst thing that could happen to me. It was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that was, that's, I think really helpful. I think a lot of people need to hear that. And when they see the success of your business, they might not think that you have struggled with that before and wanted to close the doors, but you've done that. You've gone past that and they can do the same. As entrepreneurs, our whole MO is that we have to exude so much confidence, right? We have to sell people on ourselves. We have to sell our mission and hope to our team every day. We have to be inspiring for our team. We have to be inspiring for our spouse. We have to be inspiring for our customers. And as entrepreneurs, there's really not a safe place to show any weakness because really, you know, if you show weakness to your customers, they might not trust to buy from you. If you show weakness to your team, they might not feel safe at work, right? So it's like, as entrepreneurs, we have to keep this, we have to keep this facade. And I don't like to call it a facade because really to be an entrepreneur, you have to just be super hopeful and positive. You have to believe things can get better. You have to be optimistic. You have to believe in yourself and you can help people, but it's so important. It's been really helpful to me to network with people like yourself because there is a safe place with other entrepreneurs where you can be honest and you can share your struggles and just normalize that this is like, this is such a normal thing. You know, it's something you might not feel comfortable talking. You know, you can't talk to your team about it. I do talk to my spouse about it, but you know, you can't talk to, you can't talk to your customers about it. So it's so normal. Yes, it is so normal. We need each other to be vulnerable and say, this is what I'm struggling with. And then that's where all the ideas, that's what I love about, um, talking with you and other entrepreneurs is that's where the ideas start to flow. And you're like, oh, I did this. And oh, well, maybe I could use that in my business in this way. It looks different, but I could use it. And it sparks that idea. And then it helps you push forward another day. Yep. So tell us one of the most fun projects that you have worked on with your clients. The most fun projects have actually come from social media. And I've met like my best friends on social media. I've met my best clients. Um, We had an opportunity last summer to do rugs for a reality television star in Miami. That was like really crazy and fun. And so I just try to be open to whatever, whatever opportunities come my way. I try to always say yes and never know. I mean, I do have to turn down some things, but I'm just like along for the ride. I'm like, Hey, sure. Be open. So yeah. I love that. I love you've had some great opportunities and um, you do take it. You take the risk and you don't know how it's going to turn out, but you go after it. And so that's a lot of fun. Okay. So Monica, I would love for you to tell people how they can find you on social media, what your um, website is, your store locations, things like that, so that they can find you because people, you will love Monica and her store and her style. So you want to find her. Well, thank you. You can find us on Instagram. That's my favorite social media channel. So it's amethyst.home. You can also visit our website at amethysthome.com. Okay. And 
you can always come visit us in real life in Omaha and Kansas City. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Monica, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you have so much um, experience and you just love to share with people. And I love your style and your stores. I want you to come design my home. Um, but you you just, you're an amazing person. And thank you so much for taking the time today to share with us and just talk about what you're dealing with in life and and how you make it through. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me on this journey inside Gift and Home. And if you have a friend in the industry that would enjoy this podcast, please share it with them and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.